Well, welcome again, friends. This is the season, tis the season. We've been in the sermon series here as a church. Uh, but if you are a guest in Buffalo, it is the season as we just had the song sung about for winter snow, isn't it? Shouldn't it be? Like, I mean, we're in Buffalo, right? How many of you were outside this morning when the big, like, chunky, huge snowflakes were falling down? Most of you were sleeping in. Okay, okay. Um, my kids ran out. I gave them permission, like, you don't need a jacket. You don't know, like, go outside, catch as many as you can with your tongue right now on your market set, go. How many of you love to do that? with winter snow just falling down, right? It's, well, my kids think it's fun, okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, tis the season, like there's some things that we do this time of year that are pretty special, that you only do this time of year. There is no other time of year that I have any desire to watch a Hallmark movie. <laughs> At any other time, there's just no reason whatsoever. How many of you are big fans well, let me, let, me, let me back that up. So I do love watching Hallmark movies during the Christmas season. There is something about the swell of the music. There's, there's, it just draws you in. And every single night, if you watch, you'll just be crying or laughing because it's so ridiculous. How many of you love Hallmark movies? Okay, so uh, maybe here in church you've heard us. We've been kind of beating up on Hallmark movies a little bit uh, this year. Uh, if you remember, Brian, at the beginning of the sermon, at the beginning of the month, he pointed out that Hallmark this year has 30 new Hallmark Christmas movies this year. That was well worth the dollars, don't you think? Maybe if they put all that money into one or two movies, we could have gotten a little bit better uh, a subject here. But what happens, here's, here's some of the things that you get to watch with a, a, a Christmas movie, because most of them have a slightly different idea of what is the meaning of Christmas. So here's a couple of the ideas maybe behind some of these movies. Uh, the, the meaning of Christmas might be leaving the big city to rediscover your small town roots. Does that sound about right? And they're probably somewhere called Garland, Alaska or Hollyvale, North Dakota or doing good deeds to squeeze your way onto the nice list so that you can get a present you really, really want for Christmas. Or finding true love over the weekend, usually finding, following some type of ice skating accident or carriage accident. <laughs> Saving the family cookie business from the evil corporation. Finding the creepy stranger who kissed you under the mistletoe last year. Like, like, dude just ran up and kissed you, and you have to find him and make sure that you can live your life happily ever after. Uh, white, fluffy snow and epically decorated homes in these movies. They are perfectly decorated, and this is what Christmas is all about. Unless you're in the movie Escaping from Inside a Snow Globe, then that's... Escaping from Inside a Snow Globe is actually a movie on the Hallmark Channel this year. But more seriously, we get to really the main reason for Christmas, right? That's why we're here. You'd expect me to talk about that here tonight. Uh, the idea is that you might hear us talking about it would be peace on earth or everyone getting along for the day. You could ask a bunch of different people, having joy in our hearts or being happy with who you are or being with the ones that you love or lighting candles and singing in a church, silent night, holy night. But does that really get at what the meaning or the purpose of Christmas is? You should expect that I'm going to talk about tonight what that is or where that comes from. In Matthew chapter 2, we read this. 
after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So the scene to the right here has already passed. But after that, uh, during the time of Herod, that's your left, my right, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together to the people, the chief priests and teachers of all, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem in Judea. And they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. And they went back into what we call the Old Testament. And they read this little section because they were waiting for the Messiah to come. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you, this tiny little town, will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." And then Herod called the Magi secretly. Herod is the evil king. He, and he found out from the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report him to me because I want to go worship him, he says. And when they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen, it rose ahead, went ahead, them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Tonight's talk, tonight's sermon title is called, Tis the Season for Light. The idea of the star coming and resting over this child. The Christmas star reflects back the light, the very glory of God. If you make your way through the Old Testament, the the first part of the Bible before we get to the New Testament story where the beginning of the New Testament starts with this Jesus. When you make your way through the Old Testament, the Israelites always have the glory of God reflected in some way. When Aaron was with the Israelites and they saw Moses who had gone up on the mountaintop and talked to God himself, when he came back off of the mountain, what happened to him? His face glowed, it illuminated the light, the glory of God. When Jesus in the New Testament later in the story that we find about the ministry of Jesus, when he is with his disciples and the glory of God comes upon him, he turns around and his his disciples are scared of him. Why? Because he glowed. The glory of God was represented in him. And the clothes that he was wearing became just as white as the light. Why would this happen? Why tis it the season for light? In John chapter 1, it tells us why. In just a few verses, it explains to us very clearly the reason for the season, as the saying goes, or the purpose of us being here, or why we sing songs, or why we light a candle. All of those things come back to this guy, Jesus Christ, this little cute little baby born in a manger. In our house, we have a Christmas tradition where Christmas Eve we hide, we have a little manger scene, and and Christmas Eve we hide the little baby Jesus somewhere in the house. And I know this isn't like elf on a shelf, not taking, you know, the nation by storm, but this is what we do, okay? So we take little baby Jesus and we hide him somewhere in the house. And come Christmas morning, everybody splits up and goes, looks, and tries to find the little baby Jesus and put him back in the manger because it means it's Christmas Day and now we can open up our presents. We do this every year. But Christmas is not just about this little baby. He is so much bigger than this. There's a few points I want to make tonight that Jesus is greater than time. Jesus is greater than time. When we think through the timeline, we we have this this break in the middle that we know of as B.C. and A.D., this break around Jesus. History is broken in two, but he is greater than time. Verse 1 of John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That is a mouthful. That is a mouthful. The word is representing, you see the capital W there, the word is representing this person, Jesus Christ. 
And if you're familiar with the Bible, the beginning of the Bible opens up with in the beginning. That's the first phrase of the Bible. That should be reminiscent of that, when God created the heavens and the earth. So why here does the author John use this name, the Word, to describe Jesus? He he wants us to know not only who Jesus is and the teachings, which is what we talk about, but more importantly, who it is that we talk about and who it is is the Word, the very Word, and he capitalizes it here, of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So what this statement is, in the very beginning of time, before anything else started, the heavens and the earth were created, Jesus already existed. He is greater than time. Even as I'm saying that, I'm acknowledging the fact that I can't really quite get my mind around what I'm saying. Is that fair? Like I'm, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to communicate it, but, but it, it's out there somewhere earlier than you, earlier than me, earlier than the farthest thing that we can go back to and think of. We're saying, yes, I'm saying that Jesus is there ahead of that. Jesus, the Word, has no beginning. Jesus is greater than time. Secondly, Jesus is greater than space. Verse 3 of the same chapter says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and life was the light of all mankind. Life starts in Jesus. Life starts in Jesus. There was nothing made before him, then he was there when everything was made. He states first the truth in the positive. He says positive, all things were made through him. The negative, without him nothing was made. So what was made? Everything. Absolutely everything is made through Jesus. He made the tiny cells the tiny little animals that you can't see that make all of us sick. Half of the room is sick tonight. We're glad you're here. Everything that was made, he made all the tiniest of things that you cannot see and all the largest things that we can barely explore in outer space. He made man. He made this space because he worked in our minds to be able to create something like this and things even more complex than a room like this. Why? Because that's what we do when we realize that he traded spaces with man. That he, God of the universe, God on high, traded spaces with you and with me and put himself in a human flesh so that we could interact with him. You know the television show Trading Spaces where somebody's in one house and they move over to another house just to see what it's like and they kind of interact with both of those things? That's what's going on here. But Jesus is greater than any space, greater than any location. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than the darkness. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. All the darkness in the world cannot choke out or extinguish light. It only takes one light in this room for you to be able to see it anywhere that you're sitting here in the room. King Herod knew about this baby called Jesus. King Herod, this evil king, wanted to squash what he saw as an uprising possibility and he wanted to make sure that nothing was going to come up. He tried to squash the light. As an adult, Jesus went up against the religious rulers of the day. They lied about him. The Romans crucified him on the cross. They did not succeed. They could not extinguish the light. All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish light. Jesus is the light of the world. This is what happens when Jesus enters the great narrative, the great story, the timeline, where we get to this day that we celebrate on Christmas. And some of you are saying, well, this day isn't really Christmas. December the 24th going to the 25th isn't accurate. Yes, we know. We know. 
We're celebrating the day that the God of the universe interacted with man in a very human, a very real way, and we have to get our heads around the fact that we can't quite put all those pieces together, but that it happened. And so we pick a day in the calendar and we celebrate that day. And look what happens here in verse uh, 10. It says, the true light gives light to everyone who's coming into the world, but they didn't even notice his light. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, though he made all that you see and all that anyone in that time period saw either, they did not recognize him. They did not know him. There's a movie I'm fond of. It's called October Sky. It's these boys in the West Virginia uh, countryside, and they're shooting rockets off into the sky. Anyone ever seen this movie? One of my favorite movies. It's just a good movie. Um, so they're shooting the rockets off into the sky. One of the boys is a hero. He's, he's the hero of the story. His name is Homer. And he, he's the guy that the whole story is about. And he becomes uh, the NASA. They get interested in his little rocket because it demonstrates the brilliance of this little boy. In all of what's going on, this older man speaks to him at the end of the movie. He says, well done. This NASA scientist says, well done. You did a good job here. I've been noticing what you've been up to. I've been paying attention to that. And he is all about what is going on with him. And his friends all talk to him and say, that, that NASA, like, this is the guy who you are interested in meeting and he is oblivious to the whole thing. You see, the God of the universe sent his son Jesus to the earth. And many, even in this room tonight, are oblivious to the whole thing. Going on with their lives as if it never happens, it never had any effect on us, as if this, this season, this time of year is just a nice time of year and missing the whole point. The world didn't even notice his light. His own people didn't even want his light. Verse 11 says, his own people didn't even want his light. He came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. His own people. He was born a Palestinian. He came to the land where particularly God's people should be paying attention that the guy they've been waiting 400 years for had shown up. And he was in Bethlehem. But they missed him. They missed him. They didn't want him. They ought to be welcoming him as a nation with open arms. The door should have been wide open for him. He should have been welcomed like a soldier coming to the battlefield. They're ready for him. It's time to go. We're ready. Even more like a benevolent king coming home into his kingdom. But yet, they recognized him not. They didn't even notice. They didn't even want his light. And yet, John chapter 1 verse 12 says this. Jesus moved in anyway. He wasn't wanted he wasn't noticed. They missed the purpose of what he was up to, and he moved in anyway. Friends, if you're here tonight, and the purpose of why we're gathering here together is just to light a few candles and have a good time singing the song, and you're missing the point of it, understand that Jesus is here anyway. Jesus is here anyway. He is, he is extending himself to you anyway. It says he moved into the neighborhood is what uh, one of the translations says. Verse 12, it says, all who did receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I live in the village of Williamsville. He moved into Williamsville. He lives on Mill Street, whatever you want to figure it out. He is here. He moved in. He dwelt among us. We saw the glory with our own eyes, John is saying. This one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, this generous inside and out, true from start to finish. This is what we saw. When Jesus was born, God, the Almighty of the universe, came to dwell 
among us. We can go stand in the mailbox with him. We can talk with him about the weather. We can talk to him how bad the bills are. We can talk to him how great the sabers were for a little while, but now they're not so great. He's in the neighborhood. Jesus is greater than time, greater than space, greater than darkness. He is the light of the world. Will you choose not to walk in darkness? Jesus is here. He is the light of the world. There's for us to be walking around in darkness. Many of you are coming through this Christmas season walking in darkness. Now, just because you're a believer, just because you trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ doesn't mean you don't go through difficult things. This church, this congregation, this people has walked through some difficult things in 2018. It's been a rough year for many of you, and we understand that. But we do not walk through darkness without the light that illuminates the world. In chapter 8, verse 12, choose never to walk in darkness again, it says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, this is Jesus in his ministry speaking to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, if this is your first time ever coming to our church, we're glad you're here. But you need to know that you matter to God. He sent his son for you. You matter to him. There's a group of people here that would love to have you belong here. We'd love to have you. But when you are reflecting the very light of God, you shine a light for the world to see. Like that Christmas star over Bethlehem, the Magi came and they saw why? Because it was reflecting the very glory of God. Said, There's something spectacular going on here. And they came from a long distance away. And we trust. Imagine if the people of this church, the people in this room, the people who leave here today have not just lit a candle and sang a song, but that the light illuminates off of them the very glory of God. It illuminates off of me and illuminates off of you. That's what I truly believe the power of Jesus Christ is. He is, as this video will show, the light in the darkness. It already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Before me and after me was the word, the light with God and now with us. The light was born into a dark world. What is the light doing in a place so dark? The light didn't belong here. Nothing about the world looked like the light, but yet he came into the darkness. What was the light looking for? Could he see what the darkness couldn't? Did the light see past the dark? Though dark was lost, the light kept drawing near. Unafraid, there was no one too dark for him. 
Wherever the light went, somehow darkness wasn't so dark anymore. And as he drew closer to the world, the dark began to cease to exist. It was exposed to the light. And the light gave life to the world and the darkness couldn't resist. The dark now bearing the light. No longer called darkness, but light bearer. With the light when where it was least likely to be seen, then maybe we, carriers of the light, should be seen with the least likely. Because a town built on a hill can't stay hidden, but it gives light for everyone to see. Because now the light of the world is in me.